be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Romantic Truth. It is February 6th, 2022. Let's talk now about a situation that was in the news a while back. The situation with Cardi B and Tasha K. Now, there are people on different sides of the argument. Here's my take on it because I was asked about this specifically by Jerrica out of Atlanta. What was my opinion on it? What I see here is something that social media access has allowed many people to do. They can vent, they can exploit, they can destroy and they tear down people. Now, what you have to remember is this. The way a person behaves on social media is actually the way they are. Now, when it comes down to entertainers like Cardi B, uh, Meg Thee Stallion, all the rest of these people, you have to understand one thing. They're human beings. They have feelings. They have families. They have emotions. And I think what we do sometimes is we conflate the image that they project in the media with who they are as a person. We have to understand, we don't know what goes on in these people's personal lives. It's their life. They're only sharing that part of them that they want you to see in the media. And rightly so, they only should share that. Their personal lives should be private. Even what they've done in the past or what they plan on in the future. As a fan, you have to realize that you have certain limitations. Yes, you support their music. You may have issues with their music. You may have issues with the way they present themselves, the way they speak, those kind of things. But here's what you have to understand. They're not asking for universal acceptance. They have a certain audience that they're going for, and that's it. I think sometimes we get mixed up thinking that If someone comes out, whether they're an artist, musician, actor, or whomever, that they're supposed to be accepted by everyone. That's not the case. And what we have to understand, too, is that if we don't like someone, we don't support them. And if we like them, we support them. But sometimes we use an opportunity to exploit, defame, mischaracterize a person that we really don't know. You see people do it all the time on social media. You see people do it on dating sites. Calling someone a name when they don't really know anything about that person. Besides just the social interaction. I face this a lot. I tell you, one of the most brutal things I've had to face was going on a dating site 
putting down what I'm looking for and getting the comments. They called asshole, they called jerk, misogynistic, chauvinistic, insensitive. But see, here's the thing you have to realize. As they read my profile, a lot of people had triggers. So the problem wasn't with what I wrote. The problem was, was with some of the situations they have dealt with that made them hypersensitive, where they go off on certain things. Now, when it comes to Cardi B and Tasha K, Cardi B is an artist. She's doing what she does. She's making money at what she does. But she also has a family. And as a society, we need to start respecting these people for what they do and treat it like a profession. These are not our friends. These are not people we know. We don't know things about them. People can spread rumors. There can be people that even have been in their company that can say, oh, well, so-and-so did this. Well, do we rightfully know that that person is genuine or truthful in their comments? We don't. And that's the thing. People have falling outs all the time as friends, roommates. But we don't know the details. You, write into me. You only give me what you want me to know when I podcast this. I can only go based on what you've provided to me. I don't know you personally. So I can't go into your lives and say that so-and-so is this or so-and-so is that. I don't know you like that. That's the way fans are with people. That's the way people are now. I understand that it's difficult for content for some people. But see, a lot of them, they don't have a passion for what they do. They just want to do it to be famous. They have their name out there. They have so many followers, so many likes. As I've told you many times on this show, it's not about your likes or followers. If I wanted to do that, I'd be posted all over YouTube, Instagram, everywhere else. I chose specifically to stay on Anchor. Now, my show's podcast through all the podcasting platforms. It's just about the message. It's not about anything else. It's not about myself and grandizement. If I wanted to, it to be about that, I would have named the show my name. But see, the message and what I have to convey is far more important than who I am. I'm just a vehicle. This is to help others. Now, I know you're saying that's real altruistic of you, but I'm just being straight up with you. Because here's the thing. If I had a resource like this when I was out there dating, I would have avoided a lot of heartache, headache, conflict. So you have to be very careful, especially on social media with rumors, things that other people say, things that are unverified, because that can come back to bite you. But not only that, you may ruin someone's self-perception. You may actually put them in a place emotionally that they don't need to be and they don't deserve to be in. And we exploit people for that purpose. And we need to come off of this. You can still have good comprehensive com- content without defaming or tearing someone down. You see, some people do this out of jealousy, out of envy, 
kind of self-anger and self-hatred. I get these emails all the time from people. Oh, you need to quit what you're doing, you need to shut it down, etc., etc. And then I would ask them a simple question. So why are you saying, what's the problem? And what do you mean, what's the problem? You had a problem well before you tuned into my show. Because this anger didn't manifest just from me addressing issues. And you'll find it's totally unrelated to the show. See, there's a sense of envy that runs through America for one reason. We're all conditioned to try to enhance our financial wealth and worth. And what happens, sometimes we lose focus on our own morality. We lose focus on the fact that we're dealing with other human beings. And we start to treat them just like we would anything or anyone else because we're indifferent to people. We see it every day. We don't even have national health care for that indifference. We don't have nationalized education because of that indifference. We don't care about those folks. They take care of their own. You've heard that phrase a lot in this country. We take care of our own, provided that your own is in the same group that you're with, whether it's racial, religion, or any other kind of group. We don't expand beyond those boundaries. This is the reason why these other countries look at us as if we have four heads. And then what, what do we say? Oh, well, they're more homogenous. No. It's because they found out that it's much easier to share some of the major social burdens that would definitely put people into bankruptcy, like here in the U.S. with medical bills, as an example. Because we have a level of insens insensitivity towards our fellow man. See, what we always, if you always hear the politicians, what are they talking about when it comes down to people that are different than us? Tolerance. They never say anything about acceptance, do they? So that should give you a clue as to the state of why the United States is where it is today when it comes to interracial dating and relationships and the perceptions of other people. We have this mindset that somebody else is going to take something from us. So we're always hypervigilant about things such as paying for someone else, such as integrating those people, them, they. And what we start to do, we start to objectify everyone. A lot of artists, entertainers are objectified. A lot of it's out of jealousy and envy because they have a lifestyle that many of us only dream about, right? And we would love to be in their shoes, but we unfortunately are dealing with everyday struggles. And some people actually think that wealth will lead to happiness. If you're miserable before you get money, you'll be miserable after you get it. That's the way it goes. Why do you think so many of these people who win lotteries and 
when a lot of money wound up bankrupt and broke. Because that happiness is a flash in the pan. Because many of them are comfortable being struggling. Even after they get the money, they tell you all these things that they'd do if they had a million dollars. They get a million dollars and they're broke because they never had a million dollars before. And they think that with that, it's going to solve a lot of problems. What money does, no matter how much of it you have, is make you comfortable. It doesn't make you happy. You have to do that yourself. So when I look at these different entertainers, Beyonce, for instance, with Jay-Z, what I see is a married woman who has a career with a husband who has a career. And they have a child together. I see them as a family. I don't see them as entertainers. Even though Kanye and Kim are now divorced. I see him and her as a family when they were together. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. No matter what problems these celebrities may be going through, what issues they may be going through, they're human beings. They have feelings. You know, I watched the uh, Red Table that time with Will Smith on there when Jada Pinkett Smith was talking about the, what does she call it? Um, I can't even think of the word now. That she had with Austin. Personally, that was none of our business to know all of that. She shared it. People made comments. Now, true enough, it could have been used for promotion for the show. Who knows? But here is the thing. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors at their place. Only they do. They only share with us what they want us to see. And sometimes we get so involved in their lives, like we know what's going on in their individual lives. We don't. If we did, then what? That is, their lives, they still have to live it. Not us. You find this also when you're in a relationship and you have that person who may be envious of your relationship. They may be jealous that their friend now has some has a boyfriend. And so therefore, priorities are now changed. That boyfriend has a priority over the friendship. And sometimes these friends will look at him being prioritized as an excuse for them not to be friends anymore or for them not to be as close. And they lash out because of this. They have issues because of this. Now, what we're going to see in the future is more of this behavior where people who are trying to make a name for themselves are going to go out there and try to exploit. But again, this is a teachable moment. We have to be careful about what you put out there. The one reason why I'm not on YouTube now is because I think that platform needs a lot of work when it comes down to 
standards when it comes down to content that's provided. When it comes down to some of the assertions, because I've seen many of them where people are told flat out lies on other people. And people are going to start to understand when they start getting sued that that's not the way to go. Now, let me give you an example of something. I was watching one podcast. They were doing it on YouTube. And this person said something that was patently false about this individual. Didn't know the person. Didn't know anything about it. Just read something from a news article. Now, with news articles, you can only go by what's provided there. They've done the due diligence if they're from a reputable source. So you can only comment on what was presented to you. Outside of that, you're only speculating. Like when these people write into me and I start making my assessment of what's going on in their lives, I'm only speculating. I don't live with them. I don't know. I can only go by what they've written. What they might have written has not been, may not be the full story. There's always the other side. This is the reason why some of the guests I didn't have on, a good portion of them, because what they wanted to do was vent and become vindictive and talk about their partners, their spouse, their exes, and all these things. And I wasn't going to do that, because this wasn't going to be a show where a person could just go and bash someone else and have the other person there and have an argue fest. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be mediator. See, here's the thing. It's not about exploring someone's situation. It's about helping them to think through it. You got to share Jerry Springer show and all the rest of these other shows for that. What I'm getting at is, this is not about entertainment. This is about helping you. And you have a lot of people that are doing it for solely entertainment purposes. I tuned into one YouTube channel about dating and relationships. And the sad thing about it, the person that was doing what I do similarly, read the emails, they were literally cutting everyone down that had written, calling them stupid, calling them an idiot, telling them that they they were worthless, that kind of thing. Because the show was all about them and all about their reactions. I try to help people in a constructive way. Where if they need therapy, don't fear it. Go to it if it can help you. This is a little bit off subject, but a few days ago, I was looking at Court TV. And back in... I think it was April of 2018. This guy went into the Waffle House in Nashville, Tennessee. He sat out in a truck in front of the store, butt naked, and he had an automatic weapon. Well, the Delta sorority members were there because there was going to be some kind of party. The gentleman 
these guys showed up and they went in and the one gentleman that was a witness said that he locked eyes with the guy that was in the truck and he could tell that the guy had a look about him that was kind of uh, menacing. So they go in, they sit down and this guy gets out of the truck and starts firing. He comes into the Waffle House, he wound up killing four people severely wounded several others. There was a lady there who was on the floor who had covered her friend who was shot and was killed but she was trying to protect her because she was a senior member of the sorority. She didn't know that the woman was dead I don't think initially and she never once took a look at herself. The guy had shot her arm and damaged it severely, shot her in the leg so badly that they had to amputate him. And there was a gentleman that went to the bathroom area and hid behind the door. And he peeked out the window to wait and see this guy. He was trying to reload the weapon and then he just ran out and attacked him. Got the weapon away from the guy and got the guy outside the store. He's hailed as a hero for doing that. And I was watching the case, and they had the guy, the defendant, sitting there. And when that gentleman, who really helped stop the carnage by Ada Longshot, the attorney asked him, the prosecutor asked him, when you were struggling with him with the gun. What did you see? And he described, he looked at me the same way he's looking at me right now in the courtroom. Now, don't know how this case is going to end. They had, uh, his defense was that he was mentally incapacitated at the time. But it just seems as though a person who's mentally incapacitated wouldn't try to swap out magazines to reload a weapon. Now you're probably saying, what does this have to do with relationships? I want you to think about those people who innocently went there for a party. Some of them had loved ones, girlfriends, boyfriends. Some of them were the girlfriend and boyfriends of people. They're scarred for life, emotionally and physically. The woman who lost her leg cried on the witness stand because she was 24 years old and she couldn't go to the bathroom by herself. And the trauma is she was able to do that only seconds before this person went in there on that rampage. We deal with a lot of trauma in America. We deal with the violence, and we also deal with the slander and the defamation. At some point, we're going to have to learn how to start treating each other better. Because I'm telling you, there are countries that can't wait for us to implode. 
What China sees right now is a group of undisciplined people that need structure. And what they're doing in order to kind of groom us for that is by modifying our behavior on some of these platforms that are owned and partnered with the Chinese government. Some of you are wondering why some of your videos have been taken down by many of these Chinese-owned firms. Why the audio has been taken out. Why some of your accounts have been flagged or even deleted. Because they want you to comport yourself through the behavior of the people within that influence. I know it's kind of difficult to comprehend in some ways, but here's the thing. What's the best way to implement conformity? Groom them where they're still thinking they're benefiting while you're also projecting your agenda upon them. And once they become complicit, and conform to your standards, they have more control. Eventually, some of these platforms are going to get to the point where, like on some of them now, you can't talk about certain topics, you can't even address certain issues. On some of them, you can't even use four-letter words for a reason. And ladies, while I'm on this subject, let me tell you one word that men are tired of hearing women always say, especially on platforms like TikTok and the rest. Fuck. Like every third or fourth word is that, as if you're asserting yourself in some kind of uh, dominant way. Some guys do that as well. What, it, what happens is that it limits the scope of men that you would even appeal to. And it also puts you in a place where the men that you will attract are going to be on that same level, if not lower. That's the way it goes. Now, as you know, I'm not a moralist. I'm not one of these people that say, oh, you need to go and abide by the church doctrine and that kind of thing. Those of you who know me, you know, (laughs) the church has its issues as well. So the way I look at it in general is that we, as a people, Americans, whether you're black, white, Native American, Hispanic, Asian, Latin, doesn't matter. We need to start treating each other better. We have the wherewithals. We have things that countries wish they could have. There are countries in this world where they go on the internet, it's controlled, it's monitored. They have computer reports of every website some people go to. They limit access to what you can see and what you can't see. They limit access on how you interact with other people. We don't have those limitations. 
But at some point, we're going to have to figure out a way as a country to start respecting each other because there are adversaries out there that are waiting to eat our lunch. And any kind of division they can come up with, they will use it. It could be based on race, it could be based on gender, religion, culture, you name it. Now, are we expecting to have a kumbaya moment? No. But here's the thing. We can still have our differences of views and opinions and beliefs and still coexist in harmony. And we have to get to a point of respecting those differences. And this is the difficulty that we have in this country. We don't respect our differences. We don't acknowledge them. There are a lot of groups in this country that have been traumatized. African Americans, for how many centuries? Asian Americans, even now, when it comes down to this coronavirus thing. Asian hate crimes have increased exponentially. And these folks had nothing to do with the virus. And we have to come off of this. Some people are not speaking to each other because they're in different political parties. Other people are not speaking to each other because they're from different sides of the town. And at some point, we have to reach some sort of accord where we all can coexist and get along. And I'm not talking just interracially. I'm talking about within inner, I-N-N-E-R, racially, within the groups themselves, all groups. In the African-American community, we're killing each other senselessly over trivial, nonsensical things, tennis shoes that we didn't manufacture, clothes that we didn't manufacture colors that are symbolic of the Civil War. Look at Crips and Bloods. Red and blue. Confederate colors were what? Red. Yankee colors were blue. We have to think of these things. We can do better. We have the resources to, to do better. This is a nation where, politically, we should be far and ahead of every other nation in the world when it comes to health care, when it comes to education. With all of the resources we have and all the money we spend in this country, it should be the inverse of what it is. We should have more college-educated people than we have people who don't have it. And we wonder why people come in from other countries and excel while we remain complacent. The healthcare field now have hundreds of thousands of openings nationally. We're bringing in nurses from other countries. We look at IT. We've been constantly bringing people in in that field. 
when I was working IT, the majority of people that I worked with were not born in the United States. They came from other countries. There were times when I worked in certain groups. There was not an American in the group but myself. And I used to wonder about that. These are things we have to think about. Because, see, what has happened in our country now? We've gotten to the point where we use the technology. And the innovators of the technology are coming from elsewhere. And this is not to throw any shade on them. But what that means is that we have resources right here that we haven't even tapped into. And yet, we look at, historically, places like Africa. They had an abundance of resources throughout the centuries. And the Europeans used to criticize them for not being sophisticated or educated enough in order to use those resources to create things. But here's the difference. We're here in the United States with these resources already created, and we don't utilize them. So that criticism of Africa is moot. But we don't think about those things. And we should. We have to get along. Because if we don't, it would be our own fault and it would be our own demise. And the only people we can blame for this is us for allowing this thing that we have worked on for centuries called America, this experiment that we have in democracy, to flourish. There are a lot of similarities between us and North Korea that we don't really want to acknowledge. North Korea spends far more in their budget for their military just like we do. Their government can change up the voting practices at any point, just like we have. They don't have national health care. We don't either. They don't have a national education system where they're educating their population. We don't either. By comparison. And these are things that we have to look at. some way to structure our lives. And one more other thing. I know some of you are going to say, well, they may have a dictatorial system there. Yeah, they might have it. But yes, understand one thing. Those people that are allowed to go to school, that are allowed to have health care, are in another elite class. Sounds familiar? We have people in America, right here, who are afraid to go to the doctor. Not because they're afraid of finding something out, because they're afraid of getting a bill that the insurance will not pay. And they're barely making it. These are things you have to think about. 
many of you are thinking about, well, when I retire, I'm going to have all this money and I'll be able to do my thing, provided that you spend it modestly. But there's still challenges with that. Social Security gives you about, what, 40% of the salary of your last job in most cases. You pay into the system for decades. At some point, we have to look at ourselves sometimes. Yes, you know, it really cracks me up sometimes. I hear, we're the greatest nation in the world. Well, who do I usually hear that from? People that have never traveled outside of the country. And they'll make a comparison to Mexico or some other country that's close by. We have opportunity here, people. A lot of opportunity, a lot of options. We just need to take advantage of them. And the way we start, start humanizing each other instead of objectifying them. Not allowing social media to become a flashpoint where we can defame and tear each other down. Instead of using it in a constructive way, You can take your platform on YouTube or whatever, and you can do good things with it without tearing other people down and still retain your credibility. And respect others, no matter if they're in the media or whatever. They still have a life. They're still human. They still have sensitivities just like everyone else. But I think what we try to do is dehumanize people based on what they do for a profession. The person yells at the clerk at Walmart as if the clerk can change the policy. Yell at the manager as if the manager can change the policy. I saw one clip where a woman was at an airline gate. The flight had been canceled. Instead of listening to the lady, counter. This woman decides to go off, talk about she had all these attorneys, she was going to sue the airlines, making herself feel good by saying all this stuff. It was only obvious that if she had all of these resources, she would have had a private jet. She wouldn't be flying commercial. And she's going on and on and on. And so after she finished cursing and everything, the lady said, ma'am, the only thing I was going to tell you was this. Being that the flight was canceled, we have another flight booked for you, and we're going to put you up in a hotel room for the night. So through all that drama, had she listened, she could have been on her merry way to the hotel room, relaxing, and waiting for the next flight out the next day that was scheduled. We're very quick to jump to our emotions, to our feelings. And this is an era of that, the era of delusion. Thinking we're more important than we are. More influential than we are. We project images on social media by 
laying out hundreds of dollar bills on a coffee table like we've made some kind of accomplishment. We go and take videos in different parts of the world as if no one else that's viewing has never been there. And we have to understand that through it all, we're still human. And these are elements of us trying to fight our insecurities by doing this to make ourselves feel better. But you gotta really assess how do you feel about yourself first before you start doing all of this. It makes a big difference. Self-perception will dictate how others treat you based on how you treat yourself. One moment. Let's talk about dating and emotional availability. This is very important. Now, one thing to understand about dating in general, people are usually emotionally unavailable when you're going out there to date them. Most of these folks are out just looking for a good time. Meet new people, mingle, that kind of thing even though they may have checked the profile boxes that they want a relationship, etc., etc., You have a high percentage of people that just want the attention of a relationship. They want the attention from that other person. You have to decipher what is real and what's not. Is it live or is it Memorex, right? For those of you who know about that. And so what happens you may be with someone and they may just be out on a date with you or dealing with you and they're still married or they're still in a relationship or they're on a hiatus. They're separated. All of these conditions are complications when it comes to dating, no matter how you look at it. Now, what most people will do if they're involved with someone you're going to let that linger until they've been on a couple of dates with you and kind of won you over. Then they tell you the truth. You have others that will tell you up front. That's rare. Except here in Vegas. It seems like I get approached by a lot of married women who openly say they're married. And say, what's the problem? I'm married but single. What's the problem? But for the most part, people will conceal that part of their relationship. So they'll spend that period in the beginning, the first three dates usually, to try to win you over before they hit you on the fourth date with the truth. Now, when you put pressure on them to reveal the truth, or when they have it on their moral consciousness to tell you, that's when you have to make a decision whether you're going to pursue or not. But you have to remember they've already deceived you by waiting so long to tell you when they could have told you that up front. 
but they were afraid of rejection. That's an insecurity that they have. So what have they done? They've deceived you for their own benefit to have you in the relationship. That's what they've done. That's a red flag that most people don't even look at. So even though they're with you, they're with you because you give them that dopamine rush and it's an escape from the work they have to do in their own relationship. And they don't want to tackle it. It's just like having to clean out the garage. They don't want to have to deal with that. And so, it's a form of escapism. And what you have to look at is, just like they're irresponsible in that relationship, they're going to be irresponsible in the one that they're trying to establish with you. If things don't work out. Even if they do work out, they may get upset with you when you mention, okay, well, before we go forward, you're going to have to get a divorce. You've got to break up with so-and-so. Yeah, well, I'm not quite ready to do that yet. What they want you to do is to accept what they bring to you as it is. Because now they have found comfort in the situation that they're in. Like I always say, people hate doing things, especially when it comes to relationships. They hate the work. They love the L-O-V-E, but not the W-R-K. So, they'll try to make you feel guilty. Well, you wouldn't want me. You showed, You told me that you really cared about me and you really liked me and we held hands together and we kissed and, and you told me all these things. Now you're trying to say that you don't want me now. They're trying to roll it back like you're in a conventional relationship, but you're not. You're in an abnormal relationship at that point. So the guilt, they try to use that as a weapon. Guilt is a useless emotion if you've done the right thing. You did the right thing, they deceived you. Keep that in mind. And so they expect you to accept that. Oh, you don't have to worry about him. He's not going to pursue me. He doesn't love me. He's abandoned me. He's not interested in me. All of these things she's telling you, fellas, to try to win you over. Now, if you don't comply, then she's going to go and start blaming you. Well, you were going to just take my heart and just do anything you wanted with it. If I didn't tell you, tell you I was married, we would still be on that same level. How dare you? You, you hurt me. You brought me into this situation. They're trying to reverse the situation onto you. They're trying to project the blame onto you. What you have to remember is this. These people don't respect themselves. That's the reason why they're in that predicament. So now, you have an escapist that is irresponsible, unaccountable, and someone who's a deceiver. These are the characteristics they portray. They could be a good person, but could have bad qualities associated with them. And so now, 
they gotta shame you. I can't believe I was willing to go and start a relationship with you and you're just gonna sit here just like the rest of the other men and judge me on that. Fellas, let me tell you something, especially with ladies. When they tell you don't judge me, there is something that's abnormal associated with them. There's a reason why they've been passed over by other men. There's a reason why they've been treated the way they've been treated. Because of one thing. The very thing that they don't want you to judge you on, they need judgment on. Because they don't want to face cleaning up their garage. That's what it comes down to. Ladies, you run into men that are like this. So now, you're dealing with this situation. And you're saying to yourself, okay, now this person took this long for that shoe to drop. What other shoes are going to drop behind that? So your expectations change for this person. Your perception of them changes as well. You're no longer looking at them in high esteem. Now you're looking at them as somebody you have to be suspicious about. And you're asking yourself that question, what's next? Because if they didn't disclose this, there's other shit that's backed up they have yet to disclose to you. You remember what I always told you? Character, behavior, situation, and the X factor that will impact the reputation. So, you're dealing with this. And you're saying, well, you know, let's just chill for a minute until you get your affairs in order. Well, what do you mean? Everything is in order. Now what they're doing is they're normalizing their situation. And they're trying to make you look like an anomaly for not accepting them. This is why you have to filter and filter carefully. And they'll say something like, well, I'm getting a divorce. Okay, when? Uh, well, I'm going to have to see. There's a lot of complications. They're trying to buy time. You don't have that time to waste because you could be with someone single and not have this overhead. Not have these problems with someone's divorce already and not have that overhead. So you have to make an assessment. Is it worth it? Is it worth the wait? You still have another shoe to drop. This person's already deceived you. What else is next? Now, what does this mean for you as the man? Integrity? It's out the window. Can you trust her? Barely. If at all. So it puts you in a place of objectivity. I tell people all the time, telling the truth up front is the best method. Trying to reel them in and then try to tell the truth later is not a good strategy. I know it may emotionally it may feel make you feel more secure, but from the perspective of the man, he sees an insecure person that's concealing things that's very secretive. And that means that there are a lot more secrets that still have to be revealed. Men do not like that. We hate that. Because what that tells us, we can't trust you. 
And when we can't trust you, we don't want you to be around us. That's what it comes down to. Now, let's go on. Some of you ladies are faced with the same situation with guys. Guys lie to you and tell you they're single when they're married. I have a girlfriend or living with someone. And so you have limitations on the interaction. He's calling you when it's convenient for him to call because he's not with his woman. Or his woman not in proximity where she can intervene. But you don't have full access. Now, in some cases, the person could be away from their spouse or partner and they could go on and do their thing. Here in Vegas, a common thing is for somebody to come from the Midwest or the East Coast. They're married back home and the husband may want the wife to come out to Las Vegas in order to find a place to stay, in order to get her established on the job and, she, and they're gonna come later. Well, meantime, that's playtime for her here in Vegas. And so she goes out, meets guys, goes on dates with them, have sex, do all those things before he gets here. And then when she gets here, when he gets here, then all of a sudden she's trying to straighten her life out so that he wouldn't be suspicious of what's going on. Sometimes it's in the inverse, where the guy is coming out and a woman's back home and He's getting everything established for her. And he's messing around or doing whatever. These, all of these people are emotionally unavailable. See, what they're doing is they're going with the emotional spike of being with someone new in a new environment. But the reality of it is, part of their emotions are still tethered to that relationship no matter about the distance. That person can still impact their lives, especially if they're still married. That person can go out and acquire new assets that will still be communal assets. And God help you if you get to a point of moving in with a married person, whether they're separated or not. And then they undergo the divorce. You'll be surprised some of the assets that will have to be sold and split some of the very assets that you guys have purchased together. So you have to be very careful on that. That includes property, vehicles, that kind of thing. It's not a good look. You will run across more of these people than you think because a lot of times when people have emotional turmoil in their relationship, they're looking for relief. And many times it starts out as a pen pal. And then it grows from there. And this person's sneaking away. The husband goes out with his buddies to go bowling or whatever. And she goes online, sees a guy that she's interested in. They start communicating. And then now she's trying to figure out a way of dealing with him. And she may decide to only communicate with him at work. And after hours, she's with her family. And then she's scheduling him on a certain timetable. So she may make the arrangements for a date at work so that she'll tell a lie to her husband that she's going out with the girls and she rendezvous with him and usually it's someplace that she and her husband don't frequent regularly so that there won't be any kind of loose ends on it. 
and they go out and they have a good time. And she's got this thrill. She's had an emotional, cerebral affair with them and is getting to that emotional stage because she likes the way she feels because she, he's filling in the blanks that the husband didn't in many ways. One is by taking her out, putting her on a pedestal in a sense, making her feel special. And then she starts cleaning up her act at home a bit. And that means primarily she's now more attentive to things so that it would not foster suspicion. So she's normalizing a routine of going over to her girlfriends, going out with her friends. And then that cycle comes down to where she starts to see this guy. Now the hardest thing for women that do this, that are in relationships, is when they start to have sex with them. Because they know at that point, when they turn that corner, they're afraid of being hooked on the sex. They're afraid of falling in love with the guy. They're afraid of going overboard. Most women will cut it off when it gets to that point because they're, they're out of their comfort zone. They're afraid the husband may notice that they've had sex with someone else. But let's say they go through with it. Things work out. And now she's in seventh heaven. She may start to dress a little bit more nicely. She will still have to keep that role with the husband at home so he wouldn't notice. But physically, she may be doing things like going to the gym more, spending more time away from the home, doing things that will enhance her beauty. Husband thinking it's being done for him, or boyfriend, but has no idea that she's actually doing it for the other guy. Then she'll get to a point where maybe they get comfortable with each other. He's buying her lingerie. She's buying things and leaving things over at his place and trying to make things like home. This is how it escalates to that point. Now, what are some of the threats for her? A single woman coming in a woman that doesn't have all this baggage coming in and taking him away. So even though she may want a commitment from him and ask for that, she wants him to stay single. Meanwhile, she's going back home getting her back blown out by her husband still and getting her back blown out with this guy. Now, the guy's going to realize that, hey, wait a minute, she's getting double-dicked and I'm sitting here and I'm only dealing with her on occasion when she's available. Hell no. Let me go and find a single woman without the baggage. So he does so. She's upset because she doesn't really have any equity in the relationship to prevent him from doing that because she's still married or still committed to someone else. But yet what she's doing is she's tying his life up in a knot just like hers is tied up in a knot. She's transferring that dysfunction from her marriage onto his life. Fellas, don't fall for the bullshit. Ladies, don't fall for it either. 
but this is what commonly happens. I see this scenario play out so many times. People I've known, people have written in, it's the same thing over and over. <coughs> and see, the whole thing comes down to the basic premise. The person's not happy with themselves, which makes them not happy with their partner, which makes them not happy with the situation, which makes them do behavior <coughs> that's not becoming to them. That's the way it works. It's a whole series. And so after all of this happens, you see that this person's made a mess of your life for that period of time. <coughs> God help you if the husband finds out, then you got a confrontation with him or the boyfriend. And it puts you in too much of a morass of bullshit that you don't have to be involved in. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so in order to avoid that, it's best to just steer clear. The late reveal is what you get. They're revealing their character at that time. I felt as though it wasn't important to tell you about this in the beginning. You may hear that argument. You may hear, well, he doesn't really do anything for me. He's not in the picture. He doesn't care. That's another caveat they'll use. I don't care what he thinks. I'm with you. It doesn't matter about what's going on. That's my business on that. I'll handle my marriage. But see, as a man, what we look at is somebody's still pumping beef inside you, ladies, besides us. And we're not a fan of that. Just like many of you ladies are not a fan of this man sleeping with another woman. Now, there's some single women out there that don't mind being with a married man. It's like a preoccupation for them. They want him married. They want the benefits of a man that's got a job, the benefits of a man that has stability. And they're actually following the choice of the wife. Well, his wife is fine. <clears throat> she chose him as a husband. I think he's fine. He chose me as a girlfriend. So I'm the equivalent of her. Some of these women have low self-esteem and this is the way they rationalize them being with a married guy. They want to be with a quality guy that's married. Even though they can't find him out there, they're finding these single guys that have all kind of issues. And so they want to have that state of normalcy. So they brag to their girlfriends about them having a boyfriend. Oh, but they'll be very slow to tell them that the guy's married. Because they didn't want the notoriety and the prestige of being with a handsome man that's got himself together. While their girlfriends are still messing around with some of the single slobs. And it's more like a status symbol. Look at me. I got a solid relationship. And that's the way it's done. Yeah, some guys, self-esteem so low. Oh yeah, I fucked so and so's wife. Ooh, I feel good now. You know, it's just like some of the rappers back in the 90s that were rapping about how they fucked somebody else's wife. As an insult. 
what you have to come to grips with, folks, is if a person comes to you with a bag of dirty laundry, you have to decide what pieces can go in the washing machine and what pieces need to go in the trash. That's the way it goes. People who are preoccupied is never a good start in a relationship. Because there's a level of discomfort, no matter how you accept the situation, there's a level of discomfort with that person being married or committed to someone else. No matter how you try to fake it, don't care, and all this stuff, still there. Some dude could walk up to you fellas, and you don't know him from a can of paint. He could pull out a gun and blow your brains out. And you wouldn't know that he's her husband, or he's her boyfriend, and he's been following you for the longest. Or he got hip to your situation through a mutual friend or something. You don't know this. There was an incident that occurred down south years ago where this woman was cheating with this married man. And one of her friends was very close to her husband. And she found out about the affair. She and her friend had a falling out over this guy, telling him, you know, you're wrong for cheating on him, and da-da-da-da-da. And she said, well, you just keep your mouth shut. So then their friendship became estranged. Well, the friend could have gone and told, told the husband everything, and it could have been a serious altercation. What would happen one evening she was going out with this guy and she wanted this friend to cover for her. And the husband called over and asked, you know, he wanted to speak to his wife. And she said, well, she's in the bathroom. He called a second time. Oh, she went to the store. She'll be back shortly. Third time, she just let the phone ring. What she didn't expect was for him to come over. And he says, where is she? I need to speak to her. Oh, she's not here. Where is she now? Oh, I don't know. She just went somewhere. And he says, okay, you've covered for her long enough. You're lying. He says, don't let me find out that she's out with somebody else. Our friendship is over if she does, if you do, if you lie. Well, she weighed the odds. Was her friendship and loyalty more important to her girlfriend or more important to her husband, which she had known longer than her girlfriend? And she said, I just don't want to get involved. He said, okay, I'll take it that she's cheating. Wife come home, he asked her where she's been. She said she was over the girlfriend's house. Wrong answer. He wound up going to prison because he killed her. Folks, these kind of things happen more frequently than you think. And you have to understand, getting involved with the person that's already involved will do nothing but complicate your life. No matter how you say, oh, things are just swell between the two of us. But guess what can't happen? 
your relationship can't grow. You're stunted. That person's in a relationship, that person's married, that person's still separated but still married. Where can you go with that? Besides sex and living together, where can you go with that? Nowhere. You could try to act like you guys are a couple, but then you gotta be careful about what you say around people. Because once they find out that that person is married, <laughs> your relationship has been basically thrown in the trash. Some of you can't even tell your family members about it. Because you know if you did, that person will never be accepted in the family. Plain and simple. So play it for what it is. It's a temporary arrangement at best. Long term, highly doubtful. People very seldom leave their spouses for another person. Very low number. Keep that in mind. Some of you are enjoying it for the moment, but you know the reality of it is it ain't gonna go anywhere. More than a moment, folks. Let's see here. Mm. Beverly writes the following out of Seattle, Washington. I'm on my seventh date, starting this weekend with this guy. We haven't been intimate yet. I've been holding off and he has been anxious. His hands have been all over my body and I really can't wait to have sex with them. What I'm afraid of is, I'm afraid of losing him if we have sex. Do you think I'm a little bit too nervous about this? I asked this question because I've never been in a situation like this before. My previous marriage, I was 17. So I just went on and accepted things as they were. I've been divorced now for nine years. So with this, I'm trying to learn the ropes here again. I never had a situation where I met a total stranger I fell madly in love with them. And now I'm just afraid because I have a few stretch marks. Things are not in the place they used to be when I got married. I have three kids and I'm just hoping that he doesn't reject me because of my body. If he decides to be with me, I'm wondering what can I do from a man's perspective to keep him in my life and keep him interested in me beyond just sex. Beverly, Seattle, Washington. Beverly, <clears throat> here's what you do. I want you at this point, since you guys have been dating a while, you're comfortable with him, seems like you're in love with him, give him the best love you possibly can and show him everything that stimulates you in the bedroom, everything. No matter how you may think that it may have an opinion 
from him about what you want, do it. Here's the thing. It will show him that you're comfortable. Make sure that you work with him to help you orgasm. Very important. Now, here's the thing. He's probably going to be anxious to be with you. So that first time around, you got to slow him down because he's going to nut real fast. This is what men do when there's a woman that they've been wanting to be with for a while. Yes, indeed. It happens quickly. But here's what you have to understand, too. After you guys have had your romp and he's laying there, you can do something like fix him a sandwich, give him a beer, maybe some milk. Because you'd be surprised how childlike men get after sex. Come in there with a sandwich and some cookies like a kid and shit. And then I'm going to tell you something. If he's sleeping in your bed after you guys have finished sex and after you ate a sandwich, you got him. I'm telling you. Because that pussy put him to sleep. That's what you want. When you got him snoring, he's going to wake up and be ready for round two because it's coming. At this point, you don't have to worry about being physically attractive to him. And what would happen then things will start becoming a little bit normalized. So you're not treating your sexual experience like a transaction, like some people do where they go, have sex, and then the guy you know, takes a shower, gets dressed, and then leaves. You don't want that. You want it where he has some time off, like a day off or something like that, where he can enjoy you. Now, there's going to be a lot of good bucket fucking going on in there, so prepare yourself. You might be sore after he finishes. But the thing is, you may have enjoyed the ride. That's what's important. Now, with this expression of passion and love, he already sees beyond the obvious as far as the sex. You've already established that by having him wait and giving him the signs that you still wanted him in your life and that kind of thing. So apparently you guys have already reached the cerebral connection, the emotional connection, now it's about the vaginal connection. And once that's in place, I don't see any problems in the future. You guys will still have to work out your difficulties and differences, of course. But I hope you also have uh, confirmed exclusivity with them at some point along the way before this happens. You might want to wear a condom. I don't know how old you are, but there's a good possibility you could still probably get pregnant. But I would say enjoy yourself. Quit being so anxious. Just enjoy the moment as it comes. Tell him tell what you like. Try some nuances on him and see if he likes some things that you may do to him. It can work out. From what you've written, I would just assume, that's all I can do with this because you didn't specify, that you haven't had sex in a long time. So you may be surprised, you know, what may happen. There was a lady that wrote in and she squirted for the first time in the 40s. She never did that before. It can happen. You just don't know. 
See, when you reach that point of happiness and of confirmation within your own self that you made the right choice and doing the right thing, you let your hair down. This is the reason why some women <clears throat> will put some guys through hoops and let other guys just come in behind the velvet rope with no problem. Now, that can work for you or against you too. Being that you've taken more time for a little bit more due diligence, you may come out ahead of most women who do that because some, you know, it's a no holds barred thing. I want him, I want to be with him, he's who I want, and bam. The only thing I would say to you is don't be too hard on him because some of you sex start women, especially you and your 30s, mid-30s, up to your 60s. Y'all are freaks. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But you just want to project that sexual expression so that he will reciprocate. And you guys should have a wonderful time together. Don't be so nervous about it. Just go for it. All right, let's see what's in here. Oh boy. Amelia writes the following. I'm stuck here in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I came here for my job and I haven't been so lucky when it comes down to dating. I find a lot of these women are herbalists or they're into some kind of spiritual awakening or something of that sort. Sorry, but I don't buy none of that bullshit. I'm just looking for a woman that can eat beef, that can fart, drink beer, and have a good time with a good guy. What I'm finding are a lot of people from California, different places that have all of these requirements, all of these things. Everything has to be organic. Everything has to be natural. Everything has to be this. I'm really sick of that bullshit. That's one of the reasons why I left California myself. I met this girl down in Texas. She seems to be the kind of girl I wouldn't mind being with, but her family is the problem. I went down to meet her one time. These people are country but a K. I just could not fathom myself being around those people for 24 hours. I couldn't verify, but I'm sure there's some inbreeding that took place along the way there. There are too many people with too many defects. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be judging people like that, but that's what I saw. It seems like she was the only normal one that came out. I'm still thinking about talking to her, but she doesn't want to move to New Mexico. She wants to stay down in Texas. I damn sure not moving to Texas. I don't know. I'm just wondering what would be the best option for me. Because I'm out here in the middle of nowhere with nobody and I'm lonely as hell. Any suggestions? Yeah. Um, what I would do, Emilio, is uh, start looking around in other areas of, of uh, New Mexico and other bordering states. Here's the thing that I see as a difficult challenge for you. 
you're in an area where you don't have really a large population compared to a metropolitan area. So it could be rather difficult. You're going to run across a lot of people that are into new age type of uh, music, lifestyle, that kind of thing with crystals and all this stuff. I get it. Teach his own. <clears throat> a lot of those folks have gone through traumatic relationships and they're trying to rebuild their lives. You know, resorts, retreats, or that kind of thing. And they go out there, they like it, and they stay. You might find a lot of artistic people out there. Apparently, you're one of these practical meat and potatoes type guys. So, I think you need to start looking on different dating sites. I don't know if you signed up with OkCupid. OkCupid is more of a working class type dating site, more so than it is uh, for sophisticated types. More sophisticated types will go to Hinge or they may go to Elite Singles or something like that. But as far as, you know, a working class girl, you might want to try there. Now, they're out there. The women are out there. But, again, it's harder to find someone when you're in areas where there's not really a large population to pull from. Even here in Vegas, you have about, what, maybe 2.5 million people? But everything is spread out. So you may meet someone that you're compatible with, but hell, they may live 50 miles from you. Or 80 miles, you have to go all the way across town to see them. That can be rather expensive, time-consuming, and boring. And plus, not only that, we're a 24-hour city, so their days off might be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, or something like that. And if you find somebody that has a decent uh, schedule, like a Saturday, Sunday, where they're off, that would be like a, a crown jewel. So, that's what I would recommend. A girl in Texas... She doesn't want to leave Texas. Okay. She can stay there. But I know you're going to get tired of traveling down and bringing her up to your place as well. And what that would tell you, even if you got with that lady in Texas, the family is still going to be an integral part of her life because she's got more of a commitment to the family than she does to herself. Oops. That can be problematic. Some people do that. You can't have your relationship because they're too busy dealing with family issues. Been there, done that. And then when they overextend themselves to the family, expectations are set with the family, and then you all of a sudden become a nuisance because you're in the way. You're interfering with them doing their duties for the family. Not too many people like being second banana like that. So... I would say expand your radius as far as dating women and best of luck to you. So instead of like, you know, trying to go more local, expand it out broader, 500 miles. This is what you have to do in a lot of these rural areas and these areas that are kind of desolate and sparse on population sometimes. Best of luck to you. All right, uh, Kathy writes the following out of Gary, Indiana. I've had no luck with men. I'm 43 years old. I have four kids by four different men. I've tried everything possible to look for love. 
I'll admit, after listening to one of your podcasts, I did have these children trying to hold on to a piece of the man that I never could have. He was too busy out there with other women. So was the second father, so was the third father, so was the fourth father. I love my kids, but now I kind of look at them as souvenirs from relationships past. I was young and stupid. I thought that by having a child, it would help me keep the man. I didn't have much of an upbringing. I had to rear myself pretty much. My mom threw me off with my grandparents. When they died, it was up to me to fend for myself. So I never had that love and support and affection that many people get from their parents, especially my mom. When I got around 21, I went to visit my dad, and I was shocked because he was going to try to screw me. Of course, that wasn't going to work. So I realized that the only thing for me was the streets. And now I'm in my 40s. Alone, lonely. I'm wishing I could have a man in my life. I know it's going to be rather difficult for me because one of my kids is half black, half white. The other one is half Hispanic and half white. And the other two kids are white. Many of the white guys don't want to deal with me. So it looks like I just might be stuck with a minority man. Not that that matters. But I'm just wondering, do you think there's any hope for me in my situation? Kathy, Gary, Indiana. Kathy, there's hope for you. There's hope for everyone. Look, I had a lady who wrote me who had her right leg amputated because she got into a motorcycle accident with her boyfriend. After the surgery, boyfriend recovered, broke up with her immediately said he didn't want to be with a cripple. She was devastated. Family, of course, protected her. Didn't want her dating anyone. They wanted to, you know, keep treating her like a convalescent. She decided to become a little bit more optimistic about herself and she started dating again and got with the guy. And even though the guy did have a fetish about amputees, they were able to work their relationship out where, as far as I can remember, they're still together. There's always options for you. There's always someone to love you. It may not be the person you want. It may not be the person you seek out, but there's someone there. Here's your problem, though, Kathy, just from what you've written. You've been on a perpetual quest for love, that love that you didn't get from your parents. And now, you're lost. What added insult to injury was you went to see your father and your father was going to try to have sex with you. So you knew that was out and that was a wise move that you made by not hanging around for that to try to get that kind of love. But it left you damaged. I would say first, you probably need to go to a therapist to forgive yourself. I don't say that because you're crazy or because of anything like that, but this is to help you put a little structure in your life and in your decision-making skills so that you can make better choices than men besides that emotional roller coaster you've been on. Because right now, in the condition you're in, you'll probably make the same mistake again.
Not the kids being a mistake. The decision is to be with the men who gave you those children. That's a mistake. But don't put yourself up as being hopeless by no stretch. You still have options. There are men that will take you as you are with the condition you're in. But the thing is, you gotta now start raising your self-esteem and start having some standards. Until you're doing that, you're gonna wind up perpetually dating these guys that are gonna leave you with children. I would start there. Start reconstructing your life. Thinking about the things that are important to you. Instead of letting them decide what's important to you by reeling you in, leaving you with the child, and then leaving you. All right, more in a minute, folks. Alright folks, um, I looked at an article on people.com and they were talking about some of the things that people are frustrated about when it comes to dating, about six things. We're going to discuss one in this segment and we'll go through all the rest in the other segments. Some people feel as though it's like a part-time job to date. Now, a lot of times people will overextend themselves. What do I mean by this? They spend too long on the dating app they're managing too many profiles. A word to the wise folks, don't have any more than two profiles up at a time for two dating apps, for instance. This will help you a lot. You can sign up with a whole bunch of dating apps if you want to, but the thing I would do is to maybe disable the other apps and only deal with two. In this way, you could keep kind of pace with the conversations that you have with the people that you meet. You won't feel as though it's a labor. And here's what I would do as far as your time. No less than 20 minutes, no more than an hour. At any time on the dating app. Here's the thing you want to do. By doing this, you're not allowing yourself to flounder. Now, what happens a lot of times with people on dating apps they're so concerned about meeting someone, they will spend hours chatting back and forth. You know, using this um, like banter, so to speak. You're not really going anywhere. You're not really getting to know this person. You're just going back and forth with a whole bunch of chit chat. And some of you will wind up just doing this mindlessly and it wears you out. Don't do it. Your time is valuable. So what you want to do is to make it meaningful. Get to the point. Establish what you're looking for up front. If this person is not interested in that particular endeavor, then you can say, well, you know, um, we can still chat some other time. We can still be friends, etc. Don't put too much energy or time into it. 
if that person is not for you. Now, another thing too, you want to be cordial, of course. Another thing too, that's very important. Many times, you will go and get involved with this really interesting conversation. Then all of a sudden you're ghosted. Understand one thing up front. No matter how they're leading you on, okay? Understand there's a possibility of you being ghosted. Think of it like you're getting in your car and there's a possibility you could have a flat tire. Kind of rare, right? But it's still there. That's the way you look at ghosting. Don't expend too much energy in chatting online with these individuals. And here's why. Because these people may be very good online, meet them in person, whole different story. Their comfort zone is there being online behind that computer or that phone, not being in front of other people. So they can waste time. They could lead you on. They could be married in a relationship, dealing with all kinds of problems. They have no intentions of meeting you and you're wasting your time. You don't want to have a conversation with someone that you're not willing to meet at some point. Now, here's the thing. If a person compliments your profile because they've read it, just because they compliment your profile and they look at it, you got to look at the feasibility of a relationship developing from it. Person may be out of your area, but you can still be cordial and still be friends with them. You don't necessarily have to pursue a relationship. And who knows, some of these things may actually manifest into a friendship and later on develop into something. Now, another thing too with this, understand that you don't want to devote all of your dating life to this. You also want to go out to meetups, um, maybe mixers, that kind of thing to meet people. Dance classes, swim classes, those kind of thing in order to meet people, art classes. And you could also do it that way as well. So it's a four-pronged effort where you're healthy and you're not just droning on being online. Now, many of you ladies are going to have a lot of DMs in your box, right? And it's hard to decipher who's about what. Give it a quick glance. And it's if it's not your interest, thanks but no thanks, or, you know, whatever. You wouldn't write that. You would say thank you, and that's it. Just leave it at that. Now, another thing, too. Don't feel as though you're obligated to someone online just because you're chatting with them. You don't know what they're dealing with. They don't know what you're dealing with. So you don't want to reveal too much information about yourself until you feel comfortable enough where you could take that conversation out of that environment. And many of these apps you have where you could text each other, video chat, audio chat, that kind of thing. I would advise you to utilize that before exchanging phone numbers or anything like that. So in that way, you're still in that safe environment. Another thing too, if the website is not working for you, the app's not working for you, Take, for instance, you're on OkCupid and Bumble. And Bumble is giving you more results than OkCupid. Take a break from OkCupid. Focus on Bumble. Maybe open up plenty of fish. 
starting that way, but no more than two apps. When you start getting into four and five and 10 and 16 apps, like some people have written in, you defeat the purpose. You forget the conversations you were having with people. Now, one thing that I will tell you that will save you time, notice the grammar and the verbiage of the person. If they write you and you're here in the US and they say something like, happy Thursday. We don't say that here in the US. We don't say happy day, like a happy Thursday, happy Wednesday. That's something you might say in the office, but you don't say that under normal informal circumstances. There's a good possibility that person's not in the US, even though they may say they live in Las Vegas. And then if you read that profile, they'll say, oh, well, I'm in Cameroon. Well, what the hell good is that gonna do? Not a bit, because that person's not gonna bring you from Cameroon to the United States and they're not going to see you. So you just wasted time. This is the reason why looking at profiles will help you make decisions a lot faster. Because a lot of times people just swipe right and then worry about the residual afterwards. Read the profiles. Now, another thing too with these profiles. Understand that a lot of people are putting their best foot forward. Rarely will they reveal what's going on with them. In some cases they will. But in most cases, everything is roses and giggles, right? So take that with a grain of salt until you meet them. Also, as you go down and you start to interact with these people, understand if they bring up anything in regards to you sending them money or them talking about a hardship that they're having, you don't want to hear it. It's not that environment for that kind of dialogue. Unmatch, go on. You don't want to hear talking about things such as, well, you know, I'm trying to make it. I got my rent's due and I don't know how I'm going to pay it. That's their problem and it should stay their problem. That means that they can't pay their own bills. Plain and simple. So you don't want to get involved in that, whether you're a man or a woman. Don't even fall for it. Now, another thing that's common too on these dating sites, people will let you know that they're in a hotel or they're renting a room in a hotel or something of that sort. In other words, some kind of temporary living arrangement. When they come out and focus on it and tell you that, that means that they're looking for a place to stay. You're not interested. Again, unmatch, move on. Don't waste your time. You don't want people coming to you just to put their problems at your feet so that you can fix them or fix their situation. You're looking for someone that you can meet who can take care of themselves first. Even if they can only pay their own bills, that's good enough. Don't allow them to go in and bend your ear with sob stories. Now, another thing too. You want to always keep your messages light. Don't go into too much detail because you're still online. I had a lady one time on Plenty of Fish that wrote about nine paragraphs about all of the things that were going on in her life. Now, I appreciate that information, don't get me wrong, but here's the problem. 
what it did for me. It showed me that this person had no control over their current situation. And so what they're letting you know is that, hey, you're going to get into a tornado if you get with me. And even though she was very attractive, even though her profile didn't mention anything about hardship, it was all kisses and giggles. But finding this out, it was like, I'm looking for somebody to bail me out of this. She was married, going through a divorce, had three children that were at her grandmother's house, had a broken down car, and she was staying with her sister. And she was looking at a man that could provide her a place to stay and someone who could have her car fixed. Now, that's not your problem. I know it sounds cold, but it's not your problem. Because this is only going to complicate matters in your own life. You want somebody you can start out with so if you do have any problems, it will be between the two of you to resolve. Not something where you're going in where you're dealing with this kind of situation. Other things. People that want to meet too fast. If they want to meet you less than two weeks from when you start talking with them, block them. You don't need them. They're looking for a hookup. Unless you're down for a hookup, don't waste your time because I'm telling you, a lot of people will waste your time online. They'll keep you going, chatting back and forth. They want to only chat with you in that environment. Usually when that's the case, if you're doing this three, four weeks down the line where you guys are still only chatting in the app itself, nine times out of ten, they have a significant other or somebody else with them. They're involved in some sort of dating arrangement or some sort of relationship because they're afraid to go out of that environment because they would get caught. So that's the reason why they stay. Now, if you're going through therapy, take the therapist on the journey with you. Tell them about the experiences that you're having. This will help them better assess what you may need to do in order to improve your odds and to help filter some people. And what they will be able to do is to walk with you through the exercise of the very thing they're trying to work with you with, where you can actually identify these things on your own. And then it will get to a point where it will build your confidence, where you can do it and be more definitive in your decisions. Another thing, too. If someone says that, hey, you know, I don't live that far away. I say we're in the same zip code. Maybe we should meet up. It sounds very expeditious, right? Don't do it. You don't know them. Give them some time. Two weeks online, at least, before you meet anyone. Bare minimum, two weeks. And I would suggest... Also, that not only do you have communication with them online, you also have communications with them offline. Because you could be ghosted in another way, or catfish. They'll tell you to meet them somewhere, like for a date. You go there, you wait, and that person was just using wishful thinking or joking just to see if they could get you to do it. And you wasted your gas, your effort, and your time. 
Don't put yourself in that predicament. You're not there to be used. You're there to find someone. We'll talk more in just a moment. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.